City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every single angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's show, this is the first ever Hornets Take Purge, uh, where myself and Chase are going to be going through some of our fringe Hornets-related takes, which, like, we, we don't 100% believe, but we kind of a little bit believe. There's that little voice at the back of your head saying it, but you're too scared to say it loudly. So this is going to be a safe space for 45 minutes where we're going to let that little voice, we're going to let the monkey, we're going to let him run wild. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun episode here. But before we get into it, Chase, I know you're recovering from a brutal Giants loss, which we were talking about just off air before we came on. I'm glad, you know, like you say, glad you waited all that time to see that first game. The more important question is, how's your fantasy team looking after week one? Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the Giants. And I know Panthers fans, they Panthers also lost that game. Mm. So bad week one all around for both me and I would assume the high majority of our listeners as well. But my fantasy teams aren't doing too bad. Uh, I guess, unfortunately, uh, in more ways than one, both personally and for my fantasy team, I was playing the Dallas defense. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so that didn't... That That's didn't a double whammy. Out. Yeah, that really, that really killed me. But other than that, I actually think I'm still like gonna win, so I mean that's my uh, fantasy projection for week one. So that that was a positive at least, even though I would much rather take the the real life positives over the the fantasy ones. But well, I have to thank uh, your kicker for the Giants, Gano, because if it was not for him scoring minus two points, I would have lost my first matchup. Uh, after I decided this week, I decided to bench Pat Freimer to pick up Isaiah Likely. Who scored, who scored 0.9 points. And I also dropped Jacoby Myers, who scored like 27 points. So I managed to drop like more points than almost my entire team scored. But Graham Gano came to my rescue as a minus two pointer. So uh, I was thrilled to see that Giants performance last night as a Tony Pollard owner as well. So uh, a good, like, a, a full winning weekend here for uh, for our two fantasy teams. So what, what an exciting start. Yeah, well, glad, glad we could help you out. <laughs> okay. Hornets take purge time. So for those who maybe have not seen the Purge movies, this is a bit of a ripoff. The Purge movies, for those that don't know, is a movie where for 24 hours, basically anything is legal. So if there's a neighbor that you hated and you always wanted to do whatever to them, you can go do it for 24 hours. And we're taking it, but then flipping it on a little bit of a basketball turn. So um, we're looking at all of our fringe takes who for 45 minutes, we will have no qualifiers. No, yeah, but if this perhaps happens, none of that. We're just going to unleash it all, uh, you know, and we're going to, we're just going to take the reins off for 45 minutes. We're normally pretty calm and considered on this podcast, I like to think. You know, we, we tow the middle line, not this time. Uh, so, Chase, are you ready for the, for the purge to start? Oh, I am fully prepared. Okay, well, it wouldn't be a Hornets tape purge without the purge alarm. 
Here we go. 45 minutes where we can say whatever we want. Chase, get us started with the Hornets take perch. All right, I'm going to start us with something that is just overly confident, extremely unlikely, somewhat somewhat light here. Not not my, you know, hottest or most controversial take, but definitely unlikely on the surface. LaMelo Ball, all NBA guard this season. Mark Williams, all defense center this season. As a result, Hornets are top six in the East. We are going full bore on the optimism train to start this. We will not finish there, wow. most likely. But that's what we're starting us off with here. Are you saying all three of those things in the same yes. season? Yep. And this isn't all this isn't your hot take. No. Oh no. <laughs> oh, my God. oh no. Oh no. Right. No, well, so, I, I should it, maybe it is a hot take, but it's definitely not uh, my most controversial one that's gonna cause the most uh, contentious disagreement amongst either you or the the people listening. So Lamelo Ball, All NBA guard. Let's start there. Um, yep. There is now the All NBA spots. There is no positions. Okay, so it is positionless, which probably makes it better for guards. I would maybe say um, because. Oh, no, yeah. You know, Guard, guards yeah, generally like have better guards and centers are probably the good two stats. that benefit the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who who are you thinking that he is? Who do you think that he will finish ahead of that? Like the wider NBA public here, may, you know, would would normally assume he would be behind. Who are the guys you thinking he might leapfrog for him to be making that all NBA team? Well, I mean, I think that I would say anybody that plays on the team that is like Philadelphia or something like that, or like Toronto, Miami, like if any of these teams end up rebuilding anytime soon, or just not fully coming through to what the expectations are like around the NBA universe. Cause most people would view those teams as like not Toronto, but at least Philly and Miami as like finals caliber or like we're trying to win right now. I mean, if say Philly trades James Harden to a team in the West, like that's one guard, that would be out of there. And then I would imagine that if he goes to one of these Western conference teams, he's going to be playing with like Kawhi Leonard or like maybe even like the Lakers or something like that. But I just can't see there being too many guards that are equally young as LaMelo is like being on his level at maybe, maybe this season, but especially in years to come. Like I think he hit like him, maybe Trey young, uh, a couple other young guys that are coming up are probably like, positions to be like the best point guards in the east that are kind of locked into those like starting guard spots or at least the high reserves and then as a result like in yeah. high strong contention for all nba spots too for me i think you're right that they, i do think they would have to be like a six seed if they're a six seed then if this team is a six seed with a win over under of 30.5 or 31.5 with a lot of people picking the charlotte hornets to fish finish 13th in the east then I do think he would get some consideration. I mean, you even saw Al Jefferson when he was in Charlotte, right? He got third-team All-NBA through a great second half. He wasn't even an All-Star that year. He was a non-All-Star All-NBA player, which is so unbelievably rare. Um, but if the Hornets may get a top succeed, he should definitely be in consideration because the team is getting that under his team. I think, for me, like Tyrese Halliburton is just the guy who I think lingers there as every... One who probably isn't a Hornets fan will have Tyrese Halliburton ahead of Lamelo Ball right now, um, and somewhat understandable if you were to compare, um, you know, some of the numbers and if you were to look at last year, right? Which we've talked about last year at time and time again. Throw it away; it doesn't mean anything. But not a lot of people are going to do that. I can understand why that's the case because Tyrese Halliburton last year was 
absolutely excellent and the Pacers were a playoff caliber team when he played. Um, so yeah, uh, Mark Williams, what, 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 what you had all defensive team. Yes. Which I honestly, I mean, it's definitely early in his career, but I genuinely think that that's like a reasonable outcome for him at some point, just given his size and style of play. And the, I mean, we saw him get much better on the defensive end and like drop coverage as a pick and roll defender, even just like generally, using his size and physicality underneath the rim as the season went on last year. So I can't imagine that that's just going to come to like some sort of screeching halt. And I don't want to say that the bar is like lower for him necessarily, but just by virtue of being seven one and bigger than most other players that he's ever going to have to defend, like it does make it easier for him to put up like block and steal numbers and rebounding numbers that would appeal to the national voting group that maybe doesn't necessarily watch every Hornets game and you know again all defense is a much more I guess fluid rotational team than like the all NBA teams or the all-star teams tend to be like those can switch up pretty dramatically from one year to another players make it you know once or twice in their career and then that ends up being it um so I mean I could definitely see Mark being somebody that makes it once twice maybe hopefully even more than that in in his career so we're definitely gonna we're gonna hedge our bets we're gonna say that that happens this season because the Hornets are back, fully healthy, returning a quality roster from two years ago. But you just have to think about them adding second-year Mark Williams, rookie Brandon Miller, and we're cooking with gas. I mean, this okay. is a nine-man rotation we got here, accentuated by our young point guard and center. Okay, I'm going to go. And my take purge is going to go directly against yours in some ways. Here we go. Nick Richards is going to start a center. Oh, boo. Day one. Day one. Nick Richards. Everyone's just just writing in Mark Williams' name and pen. Like, why are we doing that? Who's coaching this team? Steve Clifford. Who is Steve Clifford's, like, favorite guy in the roster last year was Nick Richards. Absolutely loves the guy. Um, And if you remember, when Mark Mark Williams and Nick Richards were both healthy this season, he was asked, Steve Clifford, during the game, Maybe they'll both play together, but Mark's going to be the backup, Clifford said, the primary backup for tonight. So Clifford's already brought Mark off the bench behind Nick Richards before. He's a more experienced player. If you look at their like per 36 numbers, you look at all the advanced stats. By the way, they're the most eerily similar advanced stats I've ever seen. If you look at points, rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage, uh, everything is basically the same. Um, and I just think everyone's handing Mark Williams this like, oh, he's going to start. Nick Richards was really good last year, and he's got that more experienced bit. Steve Clifford is the coach. He's the vet. Nick Williams is going to start center in day one. Nick Williams. I, no, I like Nick Williams. <laughs> Nick Richards. See, we, that, see, that's a good way to hedge your, hedge your Hornets take. It's right too here. many vanilla, boring names, like Richards no, we, and Williams. I, Do you know real. what I mean? <laughs> yes. you, you no, need I, some, I was... One of them needs to be called Thor. Like That, that would make the separating them easier right exactly we got we just got to sign everybody eclectic nicknames to make it a lot easier but yeah i mean i don't i guess i can't the, the the biggest reason i can't fully disagree with your take is that steve clifford being the coach is a strong yes. point in your exactly favor, uh, for, for for starting nick richards he we loves all know nick that richards those screen assists oh yeah boy those screen yeah, but- assists can you imagine you know, all that space that he's going to carve out when on those seals in the in the low block? That I mean, Steve Clifford is probably like 
like just gushing every time he sees Nick carve out yeah. the space with that massive like lower half of his. But either and way, by the way, sneak, sneaky thing. So I looked up some yeah. of these. I, I was looking at the advanced stats, and both of them they're basically sixteen points. This is per thirty six. Sixteen points, twelve rebounds. Uh, I think Mark has two assists. Richards one. Two point one blocks. But actually, one thing underrated. Mark Williams also had. Uh, he was two point eight screen assists per game which is basically like the same as Nick Richards in very similar minutes. And if you'd have told me that Mark Williams was as good a screener as Nick Richards, uh, and that doesn't even, you know, that doesn't take into account all the offensive fouls that Nick tends to pick up every now and then, I would have not said that. So uh, obviously a much smaller sample size, uh, but that was that was quite impressive. But yeah, it, it shocked me how similar those guys are. And uh, yeah, I'm all aboard the Nick Richards. He's going to start from day one. Yeah, I, that actually is an interesting stat. You would think that Nick is probably, I guess, gets more of them just because that's mainly like his only offensive play style is just set screen, yeah. flip hips, roll to rim, finish with dunk and he's, or layup. Yeah, thick, he's thick, isn't he? Right, like, yeah. He's much built really built proportion, whereas yeah, Mark's a bit long older, and also. skinny. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So, but yeah, but I, but I think you're probably right that the fouls is probably what <laughs> brings that number down for him a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, as much as I, my my take relies on Nick not starting a single game this year. Probably, uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. Nick is good. I, he's like one of the more underrated backup bigs in the league now. I think. Like, if you just ask like the general NBA fan, like, do you think Nick Richards could be your team's backup center? I think most of them would say no, and they would probably be wrong to say that. I mean, just like raw per game stats, like he was like, I think it was like eight. Yeah, it was eight six in a block last year. Like. That's that's quality NBA backup numbers, and I mean that's another second round hit for Mitch Kupchak. It hasn't happened well, in a couple of years, but that's a that's, that's another one right there. So this didn't make my final shortlist, but one of my other purge takes was going to be that Nick Richards is a top three backup center in the NBA, which sounds Ooh. strange if you say it. But these are, these are the lists of guys. I think this is the top six, like in contention with Nick Richards. Onyeka Okongwu, Naz Reed, Mason Plumley, full Charlotte Hornets legend, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Xavier Tillman. I think those are the only six guys who I'd say are in contention for like, like top seven. And I think you could make a, I think you could easily look back on the season and go, yes, Nick Richards was better than three of those six. Yeah, I, that's definitely. That's definitely true. If you and if you don't count teams like like Boston or the Lakers, like if the Lakers start LeBron and AD in the front court and Christian Wood comes off the bench, or and then Boston starts like Porzingis yeah. and Rob Williams and Al Horford comes off the bench, like obviously that's a little bit different because those teams are insanely stacked and are kind of configuring those lineups that way on purpose. But just like raw, like guy that's going to come off the bench, like no matter what team he plays for, Nick yeah. is definitely in that upper echelon of of backup bigs now. And I mean that contract extension that the Hornets signed him to, like, steal. another crazy steal. And it, this is, like, him, Bryce McGowan's, uh, Vernon Carey, and Jalen McDaniels all got these, like, and JT Thor all got these, like, very low salary, like, three- or four-year deals as second-rounders. All of them worked. Like, uh, except you, for Vernon Carey. I was about all, to say, you did just mention worked. Vernon Carey in that sense. That's true. Uh, but that, he, but that's true. Vernon Carey famously got the most money yes. of any second round pick in that draft, which yes. didn't age well. 
Um, yeah. Also, but, not all of them. Scratch the scratch the all of them. But other than yeah. Vernon Carey, all of them worked. So I mean, this so is I'm a very, saying very good trend that we've got going here. I think Okongwu, Okongwu, the best backup center in the league. Yeah. Then I'm saying Nas Reed next, and I'm putting Nick Richards there third, ahead of Plumley, ahead of Hartenstein, ahead of Tillman. Um, so that was a, that was a fringe one that didn't quite make my list, but uh, it was it was very much linked to what you were saying there. Um, over to you. What's your next Hornets take, Purge? Hmm. I'll go with one that is actually pretty much the same kind of topic as what we were just talking about with Nick being a top five, top three center and backup center in the league. This is specific to the team, though. Terry Rozier is the second best player on this team. Mm, second like, best player. Like, right now, last season, this coming season, don't care. Like, like including, you know, Miles coming back, Hayward, Brandon Miller, whatever. Terry Rozier is the number two on this team. He is the – and it's, on top of that, he is the closer. He is the game – the end of yeah. game – shooter that has been the case already but i think that's going to continue to be the case going forward also who do you think the common fan would have ahead of terry like do you, you think miles yeah i think miles would probably be there i think i honestly think some people would probably say maybe I, maybe would probably say mark williams I, but i think that would yeah. probably be a little that'd be i have a lot of like preemptiveness like for this upcoming season baked into it but but we know fans like to do that with young players don't they right yeah yeah, exactly. That's, that's the fun of, of having a team that's got so many young players. But I, I, I do think that that Terry is far and away the, the number two on this team right now. And I think it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I, I think I would have... Well, this the thing is the bridges. It's just so hard to know what you're getting back, right? Yeah, um, that's true. It's, it's hard because we, we've not seen the team healthy without Rosier a lot. But we have seen the team healthy without Hayward. <laughs> and we've seen yeah. the impact Hayward has when he's missing. You see the team's record with Gordon Hayward is like over 500 and without it's not. We've not got that same evidence with Terry Rozier, but um, yeah, I, I I understand it. I I see where you're coming from. I respect it. Hey, um, I mean, 21 and five, hard to argue with. Okay, my next one. Me with one. Uh, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna give you my maybe maybe hottest one for the one after. Um, Brandon Miller is gonna be a starting shooting guard by January. This shooting is your anti guard specifically. I like I like I like that that specification. Okay. Yeah. Lay so here. Um, you just said, talked about Terrazier being the second player best player on the team. It's it's possible. It's also possible that again Steve Clifford loves size, loves positional size. Whenever you hear him talk about his teams in the past, if he compliments a play, he talks about he's got good size for position. Terry does not have good size for position. He has good length, but by having Lamelo Ball being a six-foot-eight playmaker, that is kind of instantly take away the offset of that because you've got Terry Zier, who's like six-foot-one, six-foot-two, playing shooting guard. So what I'm saying is I think that the team will be big believers in Brandon Miller. I think his skill set has the is perfectly fits next to Lamelo Ball. Marlon Garner and Mitch Kupchak have admitted when talking about Brandon Miller that he could play the two. They've not ruled it out, and they've basically said that they would look at everything. And I kind of just wonder if Terry Rozier will be best suited to a six-man role, like a Jordan Clarkson off the bench, take shots, handle the ball a bit, uh, play some backup point guard, maybe close, even at times, like you said. 
But I just think that would give that starting unit, like your smallest player would be Lamella Ball at 6'8". You then have Brandon Miller at 6'9", maybe Hayward or Bridges, both at like 6'8 again. Uh, maybe PJ Washington, 6'8". And then you have Mark Williams at seven seven foot two. Like you're talking about a super long, uh, just general rotation. Um, so I'm thinking Brandon Miller could just be the starting shooting guard by January. Actually, like, I love that take because that, like, the question of whether or not he is going to be the sh- a shooting guard in the NBA is, like, the biggest swing point for the Hornets and, like, the biggest question that I think they should be asking themselves as a franchise mm-hmm. going forward for, like, their decade, like, long-term franchise outlook right now because, like, A, it's just a seamless fit with LaMelo. Like, you have dynamic playmaker with positional size, dynamic off-ball shooter that can create for himself in a secondary manner with positional size. Like, that is ex- basically exactly what you want out of a backcourt in the NBA yeah. right now. And, he, and can top- you imagine him a second those flare screens, you know, like when he comes exactly. and slips, which he did all the time at Alabama. And imagine him doing that with, like, NBA shooting guards where you've got six for eight LaMelo mm-hmm. ball with the ball. Like, where do you hide your smaller guards here when you're playing against either the, your Trey Youngs, your Fred Van Vliet's? Like, where are those guys going when you've got all those guys out there with that positional size? And, like, Brandon Miller, Lamella Ball would probably be the best rebounding backcourt in the NBA. I, I, I don't, I can't tell you. I'm just throwing that off the top of my head, but I think they would be because Brandon Miller is a plus rebounder, extra plus rebounder for his position. And so is Lamella Ball. Yeah. I mean, that'd probably come, that duo would probably combine for like 14 ish yeah. rebounds a game, like at least maybe. I'd take the like, over. If yeah, 14.5. Yeah, I'd take the over. More. If they're playing 30 minutes tonight. Yeah, you could get eight apiece out of each of them, like for sure, on a, on a good night. And I mean, like you think about like like Brandon Miller in the backcourt as like a, a off ball shooter partner for Lamelo. He comes up like to set one of those like flare screen ghost screens like that Terry Rozier does all the time. But mm-hmm. you make that guy six nine, and then you also make that guy a much better like secondary playmaker. So he can catch that ball and shoot it. Mark Williams can come up and set a screen, and he can run a, a like a secondary like empty side pick and roll with Lamelo spacing on the opposite end who has become a much better off-ball player and shooter over the last couple of years. And at this point is like a top five shooter, like in general, like in the entire yeah. NBA, I think. But I mean, the, the, what you get out of that, like, and on like, is just so much in, just on the court anyway. And then like for what you can do asset wise, you keep Brandon Miller, you keep LaMelo, probably like Miles, PJ and Mark will say is your long-term starting five. From that, you either move Terry to the bench. And like you said, you get like a Jordan Clarkson, caliber six man that like and could very people will well take that as a slight jordan clarkson such a was really good last year so <laughs> good like yeah so good as a six man like you, i that you're you're definitely right like people i feel like you have one bad season and your perception can get ruined like jordan clarkson had like you know a couple of inefficient years as like an overtasked like starter that was probably a little bit too high on the depth chart with like the lakers or something uh, in terms familiar. of like a scoring op, right? Than he probably should have been, but now, like in in roles where his you know per minute production is like not just outsized, and he's playing too many minutes for the efficiency to not stabilize, he's extremely good. He is like he's he's like a more than capable like combo guard can lead your second unit at times, but can also come off the ball and be like a backup. That is exactly what Terry Rozier would be. Like all of those qualities 
also would apply to Terry Rozier in that role as well. Insane off-ball shooter that can create for himself a little bit. Great secondary playmaker in that smaller role, which is a big key. But even then, if you don't want that to happen and you want to just fully lean into the positional size, you can just trade him because now you have Brandon mm-hmm. Miller as somebody that's capable of playing the two and you don't have to get another two in return. Like you could get another big wing or a forward to put next to Mark or multiple backup pieces instead of just what, like the options are just so much larger or so much more options when Brandon Miller gains that level of like positional versatility that he doesn't have quite yet. But, you know, the believers, I think that is a crucial part of being in on Brandon Miller is thinking that he can, basically play any position two through four yep okay chase your next take purge all right so as the sole proprietor of bryce mcgowan's island i'm just going to say that the hornets a are probably not going to sign a veteran backup guard at this point but i'm also going to say it's because they don't need to because bryce mcgowan's is right there not a veteran backup point guard, but if they're not going to sign one anyway, throw Terry Rozier in that backup point guard role, let Cody Martin do some ball handling, maybe Gordon Hayward, Brendan Miller, even you just let Bryce go at it as like an off ball cutter, you know, creating his own shot within a couple dribbles, trying to get to the line, working on that spot up three that looked pretty good at times. It definitely looks good mechanically, but he had his stretches where he was hitting them pretty efficiently last year. And, the volume hasn't been there yet, but I think it's worth seeing what happens when you when you give him that volume because, I mean, he, he so definitely ended saying, on a high note at the end of the year with that career high performance with him and Mark in Cleveland. Yeah. So you're saying that you think he's going to be in rotation from night one, basically. This is your Hornets take perch here. Yeah, maybe not like, you know, the third guard like on opening night, but I definitely think he's going to work himself into that like very quickly because I would imagine Nick Smith is going to be in Greensboro to start yeah, i think so i think cody martin that's a competition i think right, right it, really yeah i think it's bryce mcgowan's versus cody martin for minutes at the two slash three and i think that will be one where it's a training camp battle right i think both guys will have the opportunity and it will depend how they look in camp um it, you know, what we saw from bryce mcgowan's in summer league wasn't wasn't great for me and honest like he didn't necessarily show that he'd really take the next step i thought he looked stronger i thought he looked more athletic i thought he tapped the rim well but looked to a little bit one-dimensional, but I've seen more versatility out of him. I've seen them, you know, playing more of a playmaker when he played in Greensboro. I've seen him as an outside shooter and spacer when he's played at the Hornets and at some league the year before. So I know he's got things in there. I'm I'm kind of putting that down to just that Hornets team being a bit of a mess and that not being a great environment for him. Um, but but yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it happening. It, it's between one of those two. So if you, I mean, it just... Put yourself in like the coach's seat on the night one, beginning of the season, whatever it is. If you had had to just choose to work in Bryce McGowan's or Nick Smith, like who do you think is a more, I guess, beneficial player, just given where they were drafted, their contract, their potential, all of that, to try and get into the rotation this year? Nick Smith Jr. or Bryce McGowan's? I mean, if I was a coach, I'd do the thing being like, well, it depends who else is on the court. You know, right, uh, right, yeah. So you, who are they, right, who, so you don't have what's to. What's the like, role going to be? Yeah, yeah. Right, um, yeah. You'd be like, oh, it depends know, on nine different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a t- that's a that's a really tricky one. Um, I was thinking about that while I was 
doing this. Obviously, I I landed on Bryce, but yes, I was curious um, what you thought. I think I would land there too. Yeah, I would land on Bryce just because of his size, his probably like defensive potential at this point, um, what he showed last year, um, and I think he's more likely to. I think he knows who he is as an NBA player more so than a Knicks probably still searching for that little bit, exactly how he helps an NBA team is as a scorer, is as a point guard. So I think I would lean Bryce, but it's a, it's an interesting, when you talk about like, when you take into account where you've drafted them, age, contract, when you take that into account, I think that makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I mean, that was what I was thinking too. Like you don't really want to kind of cast aside your 27th overall pick for more than I guess what that one rookie season. So you would, but then it kind of make you think like, why not just get him in now and see how things go? And then if he needs to, we could send him to Greensboro. And if not, we can just, you know, solve this backup guard problem here. But I, I think Bryce is a much more reliable bet for that as well. I think the, the free throw generation is a huge thing to me. I don't think Nick is ever going to have that level of like physicality or able to withstand physicality that Bryce yeah. does. And Bryce isn't even like a, really like a big guy or like he's strong but he's not like huge or anything so I, that's he's just, not yeah i think he might get right. sneaky I, I think he definitely will because he can already get through these types of things while not yeah. being like jacked or whatever and he so. but he's got a frame that i think he could like mm-hmm. by year four you could be like oh my god look at pictures of bryce as a rookie and you look at that off-season muscle watch i just think we're beginning to see it already i think he'll grow you know he needs to get the, the facial hair come in a little bit he's still a little bit too clean shaven yeah. at the minute I think once that all comes in, I, th- I think he could be like a really strong downhill driver attacker, which could be yep. uh, an interesting, like uh, we've not, we've not really had those downhill aggressors that often, really. Uh, it would be an interesting addition. Yeah. Fun, fun skill to contrast with LaMelo. Uh, quick stat from cleaning the glass to wrap this one up here. Bryce McGowan's was fouled on 16 and a half percent of his shot attempts <laughs> this year. 96th percentile in the NBA. So uh, they're yep. only uh, at his position. So among guards, there are very, very, very few players that got fouled at a higher rate uh, on their shot attempts this year than Bryce did in low. And minutes, that's with but... that's with him not really having a three point shot that the teams exactly. respected. So it's right. not even like they were closing out hard. And that's also with him being at a major stre- strength disadvantage that we just talked about. So yep. yeah, that's not, and that not was a passing all... threat. Like there's so many layers yep. that work against him, but he he, he figured just... that out already. Ex- Absolutely. Right. Okay, we're warmed up. Are you ready to jump in with two feet? Oh, let's jump in. Let's do it. Charlotte has the worst broadcasting team in the league. Oh, my. Um, All right. Good luck Eric, with this one, Eric Collins is just too much. He's get He gets so overexcited for the worst team in the league. Um, you have to actually be good for your, for your announcer to get that carried away. This team has been a joke for so long. Uh, Del Curry's content is unoriginal and dull. He doesn't educate you about the game. All he ever does is is go matches when someone hits a shot. That's all that Dale Curry offers to the broadcast. So uh, I'm saying it, Hornets, worst broadcasting team in the league. I can't wait for someone to clip that and completely <laughs> remove the context that like everything in this has a layer of sarcasm over it and then just have the whole fan base just be like, this guy said Eric Collins, <laughs> and it's going to get like on Sports Center. I'm going to be tagging Eric Collins right. in the uh, in the right. In the yeah, video. So, someone's going to show up at his doorstep and play it on their phone to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there's nothing to say. There's nothing you can say. 
wholehearted <laughs> disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> like the, the, i if only I, the, I actually i can't say wholehearted disagree because the point the point you made about the team not being good enough to get that wound up there might be a little bit of merit to that. That that actually kind of makes sense from a logical perspective. This but is what I'm saying. It's logic. that little voice at the back of your head that goes, <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying this. But also, like, should you really be doing it? Um, yeah, that was that was my one that I thought would uh, would be the hottest here. So, All right. So I'll follow mine up with another one that people will definitely not like. But I actually, like, pretty fully believe this. Oh, God. Not, Where only, not only will... Where are we will going Gordon, here? Oh, Where are you taking you already, us? You already heard the first word. Not only will Gordon Hayward not be traded at the deadline, the Hornets no. will sign him to a contract extension following no the 2022 chance. Oh, and God. 23 season. An this extension? Man, well, off his current deal? Yeah. Or well, in the summer? Yes. In, the, in the summer. They'll, or maybe not. As they a free agent. Not necessarily a contract extension. He will okay. be, uh, be re-signed, re-signed and be okay. a member of the team next season and for many years to come. He will play out. <laughs> the twilight of his career in the Queen City and become a legendary fixture in the, in the uptown Charlotte. They'll build a statue I mean, of Gordon. Nick Batum's legendary, but for other way. reasons. So, you know, maybe right. he'd pull- <laughs> <laughs> and then the And then in five years, they'll wave and stretch Gordon Hayward just like they did Nick Batum, and he'll, oh, he'll ride off into the, into the sunset. Uh, so, Tom, why do you think the Hornets are going to re-sign Gordon Hayward? So, I mean, if he's available, he is a very helpful player to this team. Like, that is flat. It's very simple, but, like, that has... Is he in two years' time from now? I think, like, his game is going to age in a pretty positive manner compared to, like, other, you know, wings that maybe rely on athleticism a little bit more. What about his body? Is that going to age well? I mean, if you if you put it one way, it already hasn't. So if you get <laughs> exactly, say, that's what I'm worried you, about. Say you reduce the sal. Obviously, you're not re-signing him to another thirty million per year, four year deal. This would be at a much lower price tag. So it's. It, I'm not saying you're going to go repeat what you did back in uh, in 2019 here, but I still think like, and my main thing is like I have said this. He is like not necessarily an quote-unquote injury-prone player. He doesn't have, like, a knee problem or an ankle problem. For whatever reason, he just has someone fall on him and snap a bone, like, every year. Or but it is a weak ankle. The, the ankle is an issue from Boston when he broke off the alley. That's fair. He's unsprained it multiple times, and people have rolled up sometimes onto that ankle, which has obviously got built-in inherent weakness, which right. means when he injures it, the recovery time is probably be twice as long than you know a 19 year old guy who's maybe well Jalen McDonald's he'd never sprained right um so yeah yeah I mean I guess that's fair but I still it's just like breaking bones is more of like a bad luck thing like no one got on Andrew Bogut for breaking his elbow or whatever it was that one time that like really weird injury when he like planted his arm into the ground with the war like nobody was like you know, harping on him in the same way for his inability to stay healthy in the way that like Gordon Hayward gets it, which I understand because from Hornets fans perspective, this is the, you know, the highest paid player on the team, biggest free agent acquisition, like possibly ever. You want him to be on the court for more than I do, but actually, 44 you, games, but I don't understand. I don't understand why play, why fans get angry at Gordon Hayward for getting injured. I don't does either. Gordon, it makes literally does Gordon no Hayward sense want to be injured. No, is, is what like, he's doing. <laughs> Is he playing in a reckless style? 
Like no, John Moran. The opposite. No. He doesn't. He barely dunks anymore. Like the, exactly. the opposite, and he still somehow ends up t- taking a fast break layup, and Fred Van Vliet falls on his ankle and breaks it. Like you can be frustrated at the situation, you can't be frustrated at Gordon Hayward. And if there are people actually angry at Gordon Hayward for getting injured, then I'm sorry. Like you are, you're just being a little bit harsh there. Miss, you're you're letting your fris- you're you're letting your frustration overtake what logic makes. Like. There is nothing more that Gordon Hayward wants to actually like play a full season. He does not enjoy having to go to rehab every day when his teammates are going and practicing and playing basketball. Ever gone to the physio? It's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. You got to spend hours a day doing like remedial motions with your foot or ankle or arm or whatever it is that you'd rather be playing basketball. He's not just trying to sit and collect a paycheck like in the the same vein that a lot of people said that Nick Batum was, which he wasn't even trying to do that either, but it's a much different scenario. But either way, Gordon Hayward, I mean, over his Hornets career, he has averaged 17, five and four with a steal per game, shoots 38% from three on pretty solid volume. He is a very good second level scorer and shot creator, somebody that doesn't need that athleticism and like just uses like pure strength, physicality, size, to overwhelm guys, a very good, like low post, mid post mismatch guy that you can get in like certain late clock situations and end of game stuff. I just think he's a very valuable piece to this team. And like, like you said earlier, like when we have samples of when he misses games, like the Hornets lose not last year is totally different, but the two years before that, like he's playing with the shoulder injury last year as well. So again, again, that's why I just say like, Every single thing you talk about last year, it's like, yeah, but if this and but yeah, it's just so just, hard. Yeah, just there's you have to use too many qualifiers and like I'll be like, oh, this happened and this happened. But it's just last year doesn't count. But even in the two years before that, like 44 and 49 games played, pretty much all of them were early in the season. Didn't play in either of the playoff games. The team, I mean, we know that like I, what was it like a two and twelve February uh, that in 21, 22 that they had like Gordon Hayward not present for that. So if you, as long as you can get the health going forward and even at a reduced price, if you don't get it, it's not as big of a deal, but if you do get it, I think that is an extremely valuable, like veteran steady piece to have going forward. Every team needs like a, an older bench presence, like, or just presence in general. Like there are no teams out there that every single player in the rotation is 21 to 26. And then, well, and, and they're good. I should say. As there are teams like that, but they don't win very many games. And I think that's the goal here this upcoming season. And Gordon Hayward is going the, to help with that. He has to have the like the comeback season where everyone just feels happy about everything. He has to be thrilled. He wants to be, you know, him and his family want to stay in Charlotte. The team has to have a good year. He has to have it, everything has to go perfect, I think, for that yeah. to happen. But there is there is a chance. There is a chance, but the other big thing here is you've got the Mobile's max extension kicking in, and it's always that was always due to kick in when Gordon Hayward's contract was going to yes. expire. And I always viewed that, and now you've got Brandon Miller, it just seems like a natural classic. Well, Hayward expires, Miller becomes a starter, and you don't even have to go find someone on the market to replace that. So, um, okay, before we go on to our next purge, I want to tell you quickly that this podcast is brought to you by allhornets.com. From Hornets SI, a credential Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, game recaps, fan Q&As, in-depth analysis, 
allhornets.com covers it and nobody does it better. Okay, my next Hornets take purge. Um, which one? I'm going to do this one here. Um, the 2023-24 Charlotte Hornets are the most talented Hornets roster in the modern era of the franchise. Um, I'm going to give you some of the competitors here. All right. Okay. First off, 48 and 34, 2015-16. Their top nine was Kemba Walker, Courtney Lee, Nick Batum, Michael Kigilchrist, Marvin Williams, Jerry Millen, Cody Zeller, Al Jefferson, off the bench at the time. It was after post-injury, really. And Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky was the ninth best player on that team. The ninth best player on this team is probably like Cody Martin, maybe Nick Richards. Like, compared to Frank freaking Kaminsky. Um, a couple of others in the running. You've got the 2009-10 team at 44 and 38. Raymond Felton, Boris Diaw, Raja Bell, Stephen Jackson, Gerald Wallace, Tyson Chandler, Tyrus Thomas, Flip Murray, Larry Hughes. I just think this roster, with how it looks, I mean, and so those teams that I've just listed there, full of vets, like Courtney Lee, Marvin Williams, uh, Jeremy Lin, Al Jefferson, Stephen Jackson, Gerald Wallace, Boris Diaw, those are all like guys probably like at the peak or just past the peak of their prime. Whereas you run through the team currently, it's Lamella Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams, PJ Washington. I think there's more talent on this team. I think there is more diversification. Some of those teams like really set around certain things. And I just think this is the most talented roster. And the great news is it's young and it's pretty much locked in. It's not really going anywhere apart from maybe Miles Bridges next summer. So I'm saying this is the most talented roster that me and you have ever talked about. I think I'm with you. I, I think that is it even a take purge? Is it even a Hornets take purge? That one, I think I actually like fully unironically agree with. Like the 0809 team, I don't even think it's like particularly close, to be honest. Like, just looking, not that I was a fully conscious basketball viewer and remember that season in detail, but just given the just given by the basketball reference page here, the team is much deeper than it was that year. I mean, you have Jared Dudley as the number nine, averaging 5.4 points in 21 minutes a game probably not ideal production from that number nine guy but i mean th right now this year like you said cody martin nick richards compared to that or like you know you get what you get out of Jer jared dudley or like you said in the 2015-16 team frank kaminsky like i think i probably would take nick or cody over any of them the 15-16 team might be a little deeper in like that middle role player tier with like Marvin but even then like Jeremy Lin, two of the yeah. starters are Michael Kidgilchrist and Marvin Williams exactly <laughs> this the team now is so much better at the top effective like in their role but also like so limited like Marvin Williams just shot threes and played defense like great three mm -hmm. and B player Michael Gilchrist was anemic offensively but was a a very good defender at the time but this team is just like so much more skilled so much more versatile can do they can do so many more different things I just think that mm -hmm. makes their, you know, their potential sky high compared to some of these teams. So I know it's weird when you're coming off like whatever it was, a 27 win season um, that it was. But I, I honestly think this is the most talented. I don't, I don't even think it's the hardest take purge. I actually believe this. I'm changing it. Yeah, no, I'm with, I, I believe that one too. I mean, what you're going to get out of 
Lamelo, who is you know in still it's already started that all star trajectory. Like Kemba wasn't Kemba quite yet in 2015. Like he hadn't began that run of like four. Yeah, all his four of his all star games were in a row. Made the All NBA team. He hadn't gotten there yet. Lamelo's already made an All Star game and has been one of the best young point guards in the league for basically since he got into the league a couple of years ago. I think where you're going to, the room to go upward here is much higher than it really has ever been. Like if for any team that post expansion, anyway, we should say. So this is, this is definitely a, I think a strong, this is bordering on a reasonable take. I think. I think so. Okay, give us. Have you got any any more Hornets take purges left? We're probably coming towards the end here. I've I've got one or two knocking around. Yeah, I've got one more, and I actually the Hornets have kind of maybe alluded to it a little bit already that them, they themselves are interested in bringing this idea forward that I'm about to present. A Charlotte Bobcats throwback night is necessary. We need to embrace our past, come to terms with it, exercise. You know, the 7 and 59 demons realize how cool those uniforms are, the orange, blue, and yellow color scheme, and just let it go. We need to, I mean, they, it has quite literally not been acknowledged in really any, you know, You're grand to the way, quiet, hey. way. Like, it, you, there was you know, I'm on board with this. Hey, I know you are. They had that <laughs> memorial in the Spectrum Center like a couple of years ago, like on, the, I think, the upper level. I don't even think that's there anymore. We have to just let the world know we are the Bobcats. Not not were, they still are. If you go on basketball reference, you scroll back before 2014, it says Charlotte Bobcats, and you cannot ignore it. You cannot avoid it. We've got to embrace the history. It. You can't, it is time. Exactly. You can't pick family, and the Charlotte Hornets can't decide no. on their history. It's part of them. And you like you say, friends, they, you pick they are doing you it. Pick your relatives. They are having the the Gerald Wallace night this season, where they're mm-hmm. going to be wearing the white uh, home uniforms, which are like their are they are like. they wearing them? Yes. They're uh, okay. See, all right. I had I, fully misunderstood this. I'm I'm I, pretty sure I've seen this. I, I've we've covered it at allhornets.com uh, that they will be wearing. I thought the white uh, home uniforms for that Gerald Wallace appreciation night. Uh, maybe oh, I've misread that. They maybe were, I've misread I thought it. they were okay. See, I thought they were okay. Yeah, maybe we should probably figure this out because I thought that they were putting up a vote for like a jersey tournament. Like I think they're doing both, like the best jersey, because they released that like jersey calendar or whatever it was, right? Of like the... they did. They, I, um, I like think they're going to do both. The... I, I didn't think you put the vote up if you don't already have it sorted like that's my that's my opinion um so they're definitely doing the gerald wallace appreciation night um yes uh, to celebrate our 35th anniversary we're asking you to vote for your favorite jerseys in team history okay and they've listed that 04 to 09 bobcast jersey so maybe that maybe they're not then maybe i have misunderstood this okay yeah because i was gonna say i mean if they were doing that that would be awesome yeah, okay. It says for the an- all right, anniversary night schedule. Baron oh, no, for each anniversary Baron night, the Hornets Jared will don their classic new edition uniforms. Oh. oh, I mean, that, that kind so of So I was wrong. I was wrong. For... I... Yes, I, was, I, would, I got that wrong. Though. I thought they were wearing that. Um, so I, yeah. I apologize for confusing 
for the last two minutes of the podcast here. I was uh, throwing you red herring there. Okay. All right. Well, we're back to back to where we started. The Hornets are not wearing. <laughs> we are back to where we started. And they should be. They should be because those uniforms are awesome. The white yes. ones are good, but really I'm thinking yes. of the orange ones. The Adam Morrison jerseys. The I Gerald Wallace yes. jerseys. I didn't mind. The, the blue. Bring in the NASCAR right. stripes bring, down the side. Yes. Bring hey, it all back. You. Yes, I need a Byron <laughs> Mullins throwback. I need it. Like I need air. Please. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. I, I've got a couple knocking around here. Um there's one that I probably shouldn't say. Um, uh, let's let's go with my my more acceptable one. Uh, I, I this is not really fully looked, but I think Mark Williams will finish in top ten in blocks per year this this season, um, which is kind of similar to what you were talking about before. Um, he was 16th in block rate last year in terms of just the number of blocks that he had per minute. Um, if you then project him to play start level minutes. He's got a pretty good chance to be up there in top 10 blocks. I think he'll overtake, uh, like, he was 16th. Guys who were ahead of him last season, Bismarck Biombo, Eubanks, Bol Bol. Like, I think he's going to overtake all those guys just because of his role and, and everything like that. I think he'll maybe play more minutes than Robert Williams. You can't really stay on the floor. Isaiah Jackson with the Indiana Pacers, um, who gets a lot of blocks but doesn't get a lot of minutes. So that's five guys right there I think he'll move over. Anthony Davis is going to play more power forward. Brooke Lopez is is declining. He has to be. It's just surely inevitable. So with that, like a path to being top 10 in blocks is definitely possible. So I'm going Mark Williams will be top 10 in blocks per game in the NBA this year. And we'll see the stat coming up on the side of the broadcast for like two months as, you know, the uh, the overrated broadcast team that the Charlotte Hornets have uh, talk about how, uh, how he's doing well in the uh, blocks per game category. Only one and a half blocks per game for Christoph Porzingis, who was 10th in blocks in the league last year. Yeah. Definitely attainable for Absolutely. all defense center Mark Williams in 2022-23. In so, I mean, we have yeah. definitely painted a, a very positive picture of what's going to happen this year. We This is – I mean, we got LaMelo and Mark getting recognized league-wide, a Bobcats throwback night. We got every, We got everything here. We do. Uh, my one that I kind of I'll just skip over is like, um, whatever's happened with Kai is a good thing because I think he's going to get them some help. Right? Spiritual I've, awakening. Exactly. This is my zag, right? If this hadn't happened, if he hadn't posted all that stuff on Instagram, maybe no one knows what's going on, right? Now people know. I've even seen, I've seen reports from family members saying that like, he's going to get, we're working on it. We're getting help. We don't know what happened, but from those posts, it seems to suggest that there's been a recognition there that he needs some support. So this is my my Zag Hornets take purge. Whatever Kai did on Instagram, which drew negative coverage, is a good thing because it's going to get him hopefully the help that he needs. All right, we'll roll with that. I'll definitely take that one. That's a good good note to round are out you, uh, our, our take. Are you out of Hornets takes? Is, are you done? I think I think I'm done. I okay. I think I got everything off my chest here. No, still. Well, that is the Hornets take purge over. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to our semi-believable takes for the last 45 minutes. Um, and I'm hoping this is going to become a little bit of an annual thing, a nice little kind of September content filler. 
Um, and I think good fun. And it lets us get some things off our chest that we've been probably pondering on for the last couple of months. Um, so Chase, is there anything else to add here before we get out of here? No, I, I think I'm good. I, I was, I mean, I've definitely been pondering a lot of these things. I was glad to put some, some voice to them and speak them out into the universe. And hopefully my, my energy will be reciprocated, especially on that Bobcats night. I'm very, very serious about that. I want to buy Jersey. And yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We will catch you next time. We are three weeks from media day. And then after that, we're ramping up. So we've got a couple more podcasts and then we're going to be straight going into training camp preseason. It is coming, folks, for the most talented Hornets roster in the modern era. Load up. It's going to be a good season. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>